another one of the reasons why we wanted to go direct to consumer was because of some of the limitations around actually explaining our product to customers in those environments. In the big box stores, you're just another box on a shelf. And even in retail showrooms, to show people and have them really understand the value of it, you got to use it or you got to see somebody using it. That was definitely one of the driving factors for us to want to just be like, we got to put videos everywhere of this thing. We got to like build this traveling road show. We just got to show as many people as possible how it actually works. Have them come and use it because that's how you connect with it. With any new product, building brand awareness is key. But when your new product is something the world has never seen before, well, you might need to do more than just make people aware. You might have to actually educate them too. As a direct-to-consumer company, you might have a direct line to your consumers, but you still need to be able to show and teach them as much as possible, and then be there around the clock to answer their questions and hold their hand throughout the entire process. I know, it sounds like a lot of work, but when the product is changing the game completely, you have to be ready to get your hands dirty. And that's just what Matt Wall and I chat about today. Matt's the co-founder of Principal Faucets, a D2C brand that has created the first fully integrated foot pedal system, which not only saves water, but is more hygienic and improves faucet functionality. Matt and I dove into how he and his co-founders brought their foot pedal faucet to the market, the amount of time it took to test and tweak to make it fit consumer needs. And then he goes into the process of what it's been like to actually get it in front of people a task that was made much harder when the pandemic caused them to shut down their mobile display unit. Imagine that, trying to tell people what you have, explain it to them, but not being able to show them in person. But within that setback, Matt discovered other helpful tools to push his product forward. Things like finding the right niche within your industry and how helpful it is to hyper-target your search and marketing terms so they reach the perfect people. Plus, Matt tells us how to make the environmental benefits of something like the principal faucet across all different geographies. Enjoy this episode, and don't forget to check out the show notes for the sweet discount code that Matt is giving out to our audience. Enjoy. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we dive into the episode, I want to let you in on a little secret. Did you know that Mission has the number one e-commerce newsletter? It's amazing. It has really good news and insights and case studies that you will not find anywhere else. So go subscribe. Mission.org slash up next in commerce. All right, on to the show. Hello and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have Matthew Wall, who currently serves as a co-founder at Principal Faucets. Matt, welcome. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited. So for anyone who is not going to see video of this, 
Matt is sitting on top of a mountain at Lake Tahoe and was teasing us with the view. We can all be very jealous and just let that sink in for a second. That's a first on this interview, by the way. So before we dive into Principal Faucets and what it is, I want to hear a bit about your backstory and what even led you to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. So water conservation was always a big thing for me growing up, uh, something that my parents instilled in us, uh, myself and my sister, uh, living in California and dealing with droughts. And that was a very common thread with both my wife and my co-founder, John Porteous. You know, we just wanted to do something that had impact and was meaningful. And in about 2015, we decided to really change gears and do something different with our lives for a few different reasons. And um, we bounced around a few different ideas and we just, what stuck was finding a way to use water better in the home. Um, it was something that we were familiar with at that point. Uh, my wife, Lauren, is an avid cook. Again, the water conservation stuff on our side, we just really wanted to do something that was meaningful with our lives. And we kicked around some ideas and came up with trying to add a foot pedal to a faucet. And at that point, we, uh, the, kinda, the idea just took off and we divided some prototypes and tested them a little bit in our homes. And you know, one thing led to another. We got a good response from some of the people that we shared it with. And uh, gosh, we're now 2021 and we just launched the business in October of last year. So it's, uh, it's been a whirlwind, but we've really enjoyed it. Wow. So tell me a bit about, I'm just imagining you and your wife and your other co-founder all brainstorming. What were you guys doing before you even had this idea? Like, where, where were you working at? Sure. Um, I worked for a small uh, startup in the uh, Watsonville area of California. And it's not your mm -hmm. typical tech startup, but it was a small company that was started up. I was the first employee outside of the CEO and owner. So that experience in itself was really cool to see a business start and grow from basically zero revenue to it. They were about $20, $30 million by the time um, I left. Mm -hmm. So the exposure to that business was, um, I've carried a lot of my learnings there through to this business itself. My wife, Lauren, actually uh, was diagnosed with colon cancer um, about the time that we started talking about doing stuff different. So that was um, wow. a very interesting kind of awakening and really just lit a fire under us. And the fact that the reality of how short life is and, and all that stuff. So for her, she really wanted to kind of kickstart her life and do something that's a bit more meaningful at the time. Um, she was just a stay-at-home mom, taking care of our lovely children. And uh, my co-founder, John, he has a law background. He was um, working at a DA's office in, um, I think, in Modesto, California. But none of us were really just loving what we were doing. And we all just wanted to do something that we could just wake up and smile about in the morning and know that what we were doing you know, hadn't had a meaningful impact on the stuff that we really cared about most in life. That's awesome. And such a good mix of people with different backgrounds and, you know, having urgency around it. And anytime, oftentimes you hear of like the big ideas there, or you're right there. There's always something that's like there to kind of stop you. I don't know if you've heard that when talking to other entrepreneurs, but there always comes something where it's like, are you willing to go past this? Or are you gonna let this set you back? So Absolutely. I love that. So Tell me a bit more about principal faucets. So I know it's a foot pedal. Are you constantly pedaling? Like, what does it look like as a user? Sure. So the, the concept that we designed is an integrated system for uh, a kitchen faucet. Uh, we have two product families and the, the integrated full kitchen faucet system is a standalone system. It, it comes with uh, our signature kitchen, uh, kitchen faucet, a uh, little control box, and then our foot pedal that goes in the tokic area of uh, the cabinet. And we also have a adapter system that you can 
combined with an existing faucet that you already have in your home, in the kitchen or bathroom. So if you're not doing a, a remodel or needing to replace a faucet, this is a, a great option for you to get all the benefits of a foot pedal. And mm -hmm. the way it works is it can start and stop the flow of water. And it can also regulate the flow of water like a gas pedal. So when you're working at the sink and you just need a little bit of water, you have all of that flexibility to get full stream, little stream, and everywhere in between. And we, oh. we really design these systems to not necessarily replace the existing traditional hand-operated way of, of operating a faucet. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to give you another option to accomplish those tasks. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it, but through a lot of the testing we've done and the water savings trials, it's really been interesting to see how people gravitate to using the foot pedal like 60 to 80% of the time because yep. it just makes a lot of sense. It really frees you up to do all the things you do at the sink uh, a little bit quicker and faster. Um, and then with the foot pedal shutting off the water automatically, as soon as you take your foot off of it, it captures all of those little bits of wasted water in between the stuff you do at the sink. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, a, a really interesting win-win interaction with people who use the water and just interact at the sink. So those two products are where we focused right now. And we have, we have plans to kind of expand and, and move into some different stuff in the future, but that's uh, still to come. I'm just imagining now all my sinks, everything having that because I'm even like, have you ever measured the amount of germs on a handle? That's the first thing that comes to my mind of like, why are we touching these things in the bathroom? And there was a great skit when COVID first started around hand washing and this guy you know, goes to the bathroom sink, washes it, and then looks around, realizes he's, he touched the faucet afterwards, starts washing it again. Then he realized he, you know, touched the soap handle, starts washing his hands again. It's like everywhere you're touching things. I'm like, why yeah. didn't we have this before? Yeah, we're just always touching things. Of course, we're not clean. You know, unfortunately, with everything that's unfolded around the pandemic over the last year and so, the hygiene aspects of our system uh, have been kind of front and center for us in our marketing, as well as just in the overall importance of having something like that in your house. It really does and is a great solution for <laughs> exactly that problem, having to touch yep. the faucet. You can walk right into your house, step on the pedal, wash your hands. You never have to mm -hmm. touch anything. And, yep. uh, you know, it's great for adults and, and kids and it's been good. Yeah, I'm thinking about holding. I always take my twins, they're 16 months, and I'm trying to hold them into the sink to wash them off while messing with the handle. And I'm like, there has to be a better way. There is. That's there awesome. There is. Yeah. So t tell me about the early days of starting out. I mean, you just launched last year. What has that looked like? Oh, it's been a lot of work. Um, yeah. You know, for us at this point, it's all about driving brand awareness and getting our message out and getting in front of as many customers as possible. So we've been putting almost all of our efforts into just finding very crafty and unique ways with the pandemic to get out and, and show people the product. Last January, so January of 2020, kind of right before everything hit, um, John and I, we built these beautiful mobile display units. So it's, it has our two products on it, it's beautiful cabinet. It's, it's modular, so you can kind of wheel it in and out of places. And we had this grand idea, this like traveling roadshow that we wanted to do. Wheel oh, it down no. like farmer's markets and go to offices and take it to you know everywhere, any place we could stick this thing and just show it to people, get them to come up and uh, test it. It's fully functional. So it has like a pump inside, self-sustaining electricity, all that kind of stuff. So you could really come up and use it, see it firsthand. And we were so stoked. And then everything came crashing down. Man, that's a bummer, but it's ready for you now. It the market's ready now. <laughs> yeah. So we really, we love the idea, uh, you know, in, in our kind of direct consumer model, like 
we want to do that like roadshow. We want to be the traveling salesman again. Like that connection to our customers, there's no better person to be able to convey the importance, the value and the benefits of, of the product better than we can. It's been really cool. We've, we've had a couple of shows this year now where we've been able to take it out and actually get some, and it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's like, a, it's a little show. I mean, you yep. do the whole dog and pony thing. So it's, it's been really cool. We're looking forward yeah. to doing a lot more of that. That's awesome. So what are your, like, how many units are you selling today? Was there an inflection point where you changed something in your marketing or you did something a bit different when all of a sudden it was like, boing, now we got to catch up. Yeah. Um, we were pretty lucky that we pulled in a pretty good amount of product before the pandemic hit. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been pretty good on our inventory, but we've seen some pretty steady sales increase throughout the last year with the booms in remodeling and construction. So that's been a really great sustainer for us. I mean, on our next round of production, we're going to be expanding into two other faucet lines. So we're really excited about that. And that's actually going to be, we should be placing those orders in just a few weeks, which should be here for um, the basically fall and winter time of this year. Iteration and changing um, of the products themselves. We have some stuff that will be changed in this next round, but we've been really happy with the way the product has performed at this point. We have had uh, just great reactions from people who have uh, purchased the product and installed it. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're really happy with it at this point. Very cool. So when it comes to the product iterations, are you hearing feedback from the customers around, you know, different things that they need or was it more internally driven? No, it's been both. We try and keep in pretty close contact with our customers. We do follow-up calls every, you know, so often as long as they're receptive to them. The using the system, it takes a little bit of kind of there's like a bit of a breaking in period. So it takes about a week to get used to it using the pedal. Once you do that, some of the feedback we hear from our customers about it, they hate going to other people's houses because they walk up to the sink and the foot pedal and they're just trying to tap on the ground to try and get the water to start. But product itself, some of the the changes and iterations we want to make are about how the foot pedal itself installs into the toe kick. That was one of the sensitive areas for us in designing mm-hmm. the product. There can be a lot of variation in cabinetry. There's no standard toe kick size. And, you know, you look at a modern kitchen versus a traditional kitchen and the mm-hmm. cabinetry is all different. So we built in an adjustable system so that you can get the, the foot pedal to the right height and position it optimally for comfort and use. But uh, there's still some work to be done there, I think, in getting that more universal uh, for all applications and cabinets and so forth. Um, Outside of that, we really haven't run into a whole lot of requests for additional features or um, actual iterations on the the physical product itself. We have had asks for other finishes and designs and that kind of stuff. And it's it's really painful at this point because there's so much that we want to do with Mm -hmm. uh, different designs. And I mean, sky's the limit with decorative plumbing stuff. So, but, you know, we got to start somewhere and, and kind of grow the business and, and, and get there. So why did you guys choose to stay strictly D to C or now you starting to think about exploring retail or other spots to sell as well? You know, when we originally came up with the concept, we knocked around a lot of different ideas and we looked at uh, big box stores, um, distribution and so forth, but it just never felt right to us. Again, it mm-hmm. went back to like, we just didn't want to be another faucet company. That, that wasn't like who we were. It wasn't why we were doing what we we're doing. We really wanted to feel like we're a company that, that really cares about what we're doing. And the way that we felt that was best was to be the first 
thing people saw when they came to our website and who they talked to and who they dealt with and who was able to handle their, their customer service questions or warranty issues or product questions. Um, one of the things that's been really fun working with customers, we offer basically free live video demonstrations. So you can schedule with us and we'll set up a camera and, and use that mobile display unit that we have and mm-hmm. kind of walk through. And, and it's just so great to see and, you know, the magic between, you know, having an intimate conversation with somebody who is interested in and really gets kind of the concept and the importance of it. It's just been very rewarding and fulfilling for, for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as a business long-term, it's, it's really hard to say we would like to stay direct to consumer for as long as we can. It just, it makes sense for us right now. It's um, yeah, it's just, it's been great. So if you're going to stay in that area, I'm thinking like SEO has to be huge, even trying to get up to compete with people like best faucets. If someone sees, you know, a foot pedal, maybe they're like, oh, that's the wrong thing. So how do you go about, you know, reaching new customers and kind of educating them quickly of like, you could do this instead. It seems like a lot of things you have to think about and it's not just competing with, you know, a traditional faucet. It's like you have sure. to do both things at once. Yeah, it's been tough. The faucet industry itself is very kind of consolidated and there's a lot of Mo and Delta, Kohler. They control about 70% of the, you know, all sales within the decorative plumbing industry. And they they pour tons and tons of money into you know, ad placements and keyword placements and so forth. So we've been doing uh, a lot of work in just trying to optimize kind of our products in that area. So when people are searching for us, we don't want them to search for faucet and have our product come up every single time. We've really had to kind of narrow in on our keywords and the short keywords and multi-phrase keywords and long trail keywords to get people who really want to search for a foot pedal faucet or looking for water conservation, foot pedal faucets, or, mm-hmm. you know, those different iterations, we end up spending a lot of money when we first started doing um, some online marketing and ad placement stuff where we would get just tons and tons of clicks, but no conversions because mm-hmm. people would type in foot pedal and faucet, or they type in foot pedal control and things for pianos would come up or like car pedals. <laughs> yeah. Like all kinds of stuff. That was kind of one of the first areas where we really had to figure we had to dial in and really kind of focus in on that. Um, but outside of that, it's just we're trying to get as much content out there as possible mm-hmm. to not only on our website, but just with others on social media, Facebook and so forth, just to help build some of that, um, the organic growth uh, for us, which has been good. But it's it's a tough game. There's a lot to do. Hey there. Are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, you're innovating in a new market and trying to prove, you know, and show people why they need something. Yeah, We've had a lot of brands on who have the same kind of struggle around like having to educate a consumer. I mean, we had a uh, a bidet company on here and they talked about, you know, most Americans don't think that's even something they would ever need. What channels or pieces of content are you finding are performing best to kind of help with that? A lot of it's just around comparing water usage, which is one of the easiest ways for us to show Mm -hmm. kind of the savings for the product. It's just showing somebody using a traditional faucet and somebody using um, our, our faucet system. 
and just the ease of flow of, of use. So that's actually been really effective for us um, and just capturing and showing kind of what the, the true nature and difference of that system is versus a traditional faucet. So that's been very impactful. And then in addition to that, delicately using um, hygiene um, as some of the ways of showing additional value of, of what it can bring to, to the home. That's what I was thinking. I would lean so hard in the hygiene piece because I, I have this one image in my head of it was a piece of bread and there's a teacher who did this at school and they like put their hand on it unwashed. And then the other one was maybe wiped down with water. The other one maybe used, I don't know, like the one without water, Purex or whatever. And then sure. there was hand wash. Yeah. Hand washing with soap. And she put them in a bag and left them for seven days. And then it was just the picture showing the seven pieces of bread and what the handprint looked like. Very disturbing. <laughs> Made me realize how gross my hands were if they're unwashed and even how most ways, you know, don't even work that well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how just one piece of content was literally ingrained in my brain. And it's been like seven months. Can't get it out. Yeah, it's on the hygiene side of what we've been doing. It's been it's kind of a balancing act because we, we don't want to scare people into thinking like you have to have our faucet. That's not kind of why we're doing what we're doing, but it is an absolute benefit of having the system in the home. The one really kind of weird twist to this all is when you're marketing things that claim to be hygienic or improve hygiene or kill germs, there's a lot of regulation and uh, requirements. You can be considered a pesticide product. And when we Mm -hmm. first started marketing our product, there were some issues where we came across where uh, we weren't allowed to show the product online in certain areas. We were being flagged as a pesticide product. In the verbiage and the way that we were talking about germs and helping to not spread germs in the home, washing your hands mm-hmm. before, you know. So th- that's been an interesting road to navigate. We've really kind of had to just do some very kind of common sense type of marketing with the hygiene mm-hmm. stuff. It's just, you know, you come home, you don't have to touch your faucet. It helps reduce the spread of germs in your home mm-hmm. because it is, it's pretty self-explanatory when, when you really boil it down. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never even knew that was a thing that you yeah. be careful around. <laughs> yeah. Promoting hygiene. Okay. Yeah. Have you all um, explored Amazon or have you not really even thought about that yet? We have. Um, we're actually selling on Amazon now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been pretty good. It's been an interesting setup process from the merchant standpoint. Amazon's kind of designed for multiple people to sell off single product pages kind of as a, you know, a conglomeration of a bunch of people selling the same products so that you get the best price. But we're the only one out there selling our product on Amazon. We had to go through and do a lot more of the setup process and go through and, and the whole pesticide thing that I mentioned was actually uh, as part of what Amazon uh, had us do and go wow. through and acquire. So that, that took a lot of thinking and uh, mm-hmm. figuring out as to why that was happening. You know, Amazon's a great tool for small companies. Um, you know, we plan to stick around there as long as it works for us. And uh, sky's the limit. It's just a matter, again, of paying for content and getting your product placed out in the right, spot, right spots. Yeah, yeah. There seems like there could be so many cool mini moments you could create for your customers too after they buy just like things like a little card maybe that, you know, has a note on the sink that's like, look down your pedals below for your water for any other Mm -hmm. guests or something. How have you guys thought about, you know, shaping the experience, the unboxing experience, and then kind of creating joy even afterwards? We focused a lot on the product itself to make a product that was kind of worthy of what we were doing. Uh, quality-wise, construction-wise, materials, so that uh, when somebody does get it home and they open it, it it looks and feels like something different, like something that's mm-hmm. a little special. 
So we have done some investment in that the packaging and unveiling of the stuff. We have some really nice like dark foam and some nice packaging on the boxes and stuff, which mm-hmm. has been a really cool, cool thing to see and cool fun, uh, fun thing to develop. We have tried to build in some features actually to the faucet system itself that allows either new users or existing users to use both the hand-operated valves on the faucet or the foot pedal. You know, we designed the system so you never really have to choose one or the other. For the principal faucet system, the kitchen faucet, the faucet has all of the existing capabilities of the hand-operated valves. That's all there, doesn't change. There's nothing you have to do to switch back and forth between the foot pedal and the hand-operated valve. So if somebody comes over your house that doesn't, is not familiar with it, they can walk right up to it, use a hand-operated valve, do everything they're used to doing. And if they want to explore a little bit, they can go down and start to use the foot pedal too. One of the features we built into the pedal as well to help with the user experience was this, uh, we call it our tap to flow feature. And essentially you just tap the pedal quickly and it'll actually allow the faucet to run continually without having to keep your foot pedal on. So if you're filling a pot of water, you want to fill the sink to do dishes, you have that ability. So you're not tied to the sink um, if you wanted to use the foot pedal in that way. With our adapter system that can be connected to any existing faucet in the kitchen or bathroom, we also built in a feature for that system that allows you to default back to the existing hand-operated valves um, indefinitely if you choose mm-hmm. to. And it's basically you just tap it twice. That way, if you have people coming over using the bathroom or in the kitchen and you don't want to deal with it, you just tap it twice and all of the function goes back to the faucet as well. So we really tried to bridge that gap so that you know new users and existing users don't have any issues with, uh, with trying to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I could see eventually customers being like, I don't even want the hand-operated piece. Everyone needs to use it this way and just take that off. I mean, it's been fascinating to see how people gravitate to use the foot pedal. I mean, it's, it's the beauty of that is that you get all of the water savings by using the pedal. You know, we've done some water savings tests when we were initially going through some of the product developments. We did eight homes here in Central California. And some of the homes were like multi-generational, they had grandchildren, parents, grandparents, and uh, some were single individuals. I mean, the whole gamut, apartments, mm-hmm. condos, houses. And we found that the water savings compared to an existing faucet was up to 44%. And when we dove into the data a little deeper, we found that the homes with the highest water savings were the ones that were the biggest water wasters prior. So it really helps the people that ended up using more water save the most, which is really a great sign for kind of the impact that the product might have in the future as, uh, as we get into more and more homes. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Do you ever have issues with the messaging for consumers outside of California? Because I'm thinking, you know, when I, I'm from Maryland, we really didn't think about water conservation. We didn't have droughts. And I remember moving to California in the Bay Area I was like, whoa, this is a thing. We actually might not have water. What? Like we need to, I mean, I heard about people in uh, Mill Valley area saving their shower water and doing other things with it. And I was like, this is a new thing for me. So how do you guys go about crafting the message so it connects with people, you know, all throughout the US? Absolutely. Yeah. The droughts here in the West are horrible. Some of the worst on record. Um, And then, you know, you have severe storms and and flooding on the other side of, of the US. And so the way we've crafted and are working on that message to, to really join them together is that they're, they're both the products of kind of the same thing. So the droughts here are the product of, you know, carbon emissions and global warming and climate change. Um, that's affecting the West in this way. 
on the East Coast where there's too much water and too much rains. It's all the product of the same. They're all symptoms of the same thing. And, you know, for us, saving water, whether you have too much of it or you have too little of it, it's all benefiting and helping out the same problem. It's cutting carbon emissions. It's reducing the amount of chemicals that go into the environment by reducing the amount of treated water that pumped water that needs to be actually treated, it transported to your faucet and then goes down your drain without even being used. And then the chemicals that need to be used to treat the water when it goes into the waste facilities. So it's interesting when you think about the two kind of polar opposites of it, but they're all from the same kind of problem. So that's kind of how we've had to craft it. It's just, you know, we all need to do what we can do. Every little bit counts. And Mm -hmm. if you can save water at your faucet, it's only going to help the problem. Yeah, that's such a good explanation. And one that, you know, I've never even really thought about, okay, what happens when the water goes down the faucet and all the things that go into it to make it come back again. And yeah, that, that's a really good way to message it. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot that uh, that goes into treating water, a lot of chemicals and stuff. So, you know, using every bit uh, in a way that counts really helps cut down on all that stuff. Very cool. Were there any big bets that you've made over the past year that you weren't really sure if they were going to pay off other than the mobile unit that you guys are wheeling around because that one paid off now, but anything else that comes to mind? Yeah. Being a smaller business as we started and grown, um, you know, the capital's king and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how we want to best use some of that money towards marketing and where we wanted to put it into either PR or working with um, influencers and doing, you know, paid content type of stuff. Every dollar that we've put into those areas has paid off massively. We didn't go in blindly. We took our time and really tried to find people that kind of got the product and were in, you know, similar headspace around conservation, water savings, cooking, because those are the people who really get it and and find the most value in it. So when we've been able to reach out to those people and have them share that message with kind of their base of followers, putting the amount of money that we put into that area, it's it's it was a good bet. And I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the themes around your business have been around niching down, niche down with the right people for PR and content, niche down on the keywords and really getting down to the perfect audience and consumer who's ready to hear that message and ready to buy before going big to everyone. Yeah, it's we're a brand that nobody's ever heard of before and we're selling a product that no one's ever seen before. And mm-hmm. we found out really in, in early development when we sat down and just kind of pitched the idea to people to see if there was going to be a market for this thing. And if somebody had done it beforehand, where did they fail? Where did they succeed? It was really interesting to see how people connected with the concept. And we talked to professional chefs who do a lot of cooking in the home. And they're like, I've been waiting for this thing forever. How come nobody's done this? And we talked to people who are doctors and and dentists and like, oh yeah, I I have those at the shop. You know, we, we use those all the time. Of course, that makes sense to have in the home. It just, you know, hygiene and efficiency. We talk to mothers with kids, fathers with kids, and it just, it all came down to the fact that they would just be like, well, why has nobody done this before? It just makes yeah. a lot of sense. And that really helped instill in us the fact that there could be a need for this out in the market. We ended up going to some trade shows early on just to kind of snoop around because we, were, we had no experience in the industry mm-hmm. at all. We knew nobody. And again, just kind of pitched the concept to a bunch of the people who were there we were super scared somebody was going to like steal the idea out from under us. Yeah. So we were, we were very coy about it, which is probably silly, but it was interesting to get their feedback and, and hear what some of the 
the biggest manufacturers in the industry said about it. And, you know, we approached them and early on say, Hey, we have this concept, you know, is there anything do you guys want to partner with us? Or is there any interest in, in looking at this? We'd love to come talk to you about it. And it's funny. They never, they just never got back to us. Never wanted to, uh, never wanted to hear about it, but they will now. Yeah, they will now. But even the, the retail showroom, uh, you know, we stopped in and talked to a bunch of people um, all over California, just about how they, you know, show products and, discuss it with their customers in the stores. And another one of the reasons why we wanted to go direct to consumer was because of some of the limitations around actually explaining our product to customers mm-hmm. in those environments. And, you know, in yeah. the big box stores, you're just another box on a shelf. Mm-hmm. I was imagining you in Home Depot, just like a little foot pedal being next to all these faucets and being like, uh, I think this yeah. is in the wrong aisle. Yeah. And, and even in retail showrooms, it's, to show people and have them really understand the value of it, you just, you got to use it or you got to see somebody using it. And mm-hmm. that's, that was definitely one of the driving factors for us to want to just be like, we need, we got to put videos everywhere of this thing. We got to like build this traveling road show. We just got to show as many people as possible how it actually works, have them come and use it because that's how you connect with it. Yeah. How long was that time period of kind of researching the market and asking questions and having people look at it? It was a long time. So we yeah. started first developing this product in 2015. Wow. It was just tinkering around in the garage. Like I've, I've always loved kind of goofing around with stuff and tinkering and, and whatnot. So we just decided to do it ourselves and we built a proof of concept in the garage, brought it into our kitchen, hooked it up, looked like, looked terrible, total Frankenstein hoses and stuff going all over the place. And, uh, but it, it probably had about 60% of the functionality that we have in our product now. So it was mm-hmm. a pretty good gauge on using it and understanding it. And at that point, that was basically the limitations of our capabilities. So we hired some engineers to help us take it to the next step, develop a, a true prototype that worked like, functioned like what we wanted to come to market with. And those were the prototypes that we used for the water savings trial here in California. So we had several of those made up. That was probably about a year long process, uh, at least. And um, once we had those prototypes built, and got all this feedback from people using them in homes all over. We kind of took a pause at that point. We could have gone and just tried to find somebody to manufacture it really fast, but it just didn't quite, we didn't have the confidence we really thought we needed in order to kind of go forward. So we ended up going to a trade show ourselves and exhibiting with these prototypes. And we built a display unit, very similar to the one we have that we're using for the, the road show. And we doctored up the display unit with some other prototype boxes and stuff. So it really looked nice and clean, like a, mm-hmm. like a finished product, but it was all Frankenstein in the back and using our prototypes. And we, we basically told people that we were you know, ready to manufacture and kind of gave somewhat of a misleading understanding of where we were in the whole process. But we just, we wanted to see what industry folks, people who were in showrooms in, you know, like the Home Depots and big box stores of the world, you know, they all came by and they took a look at it. And the response again was just so far above and beyond what we expected that Mm -hmm. people were like, can we get on a waiting list? Can we, you know, where do we sign up? You know, when are these going to be developed? Can we place an order now? I mean, wow, we were so unready for all of that, Mm -hmm. but it was great. And it really gave us the kind of resolve we needed to go forward and find some place to manufacture this and get it to market. We wanted to originally manufacture the product in the U.S. And unfortunately, 
we we talk to large manufacturers here in the US, we talk to some OEM manufacturers here in the US and they just they were either so busy or they just didn't want to deal with a new person or a new company mm-hmm. they was going to have small volumes to start off, it's a new product, we never developed anything like that before. So we ended up uh, meeting some people at the trade show who put us in contact with some people in China and we went over there and met with a bunch of different factories and found some just amazing folks um, to help us manufacture it over there. And uh, that whole process was kind of a whole story in itself because most faucet manufacturers over there, they're great at building faucets. I mean, they, they, there's good and bad factories all over the world. Thankfully, we found one that was just a great, great group of people and really focused on like quality materials. They were great at faucets, but didn't have a lot of experience in electronics and our systems kind of a little bit of both. So we had to go in and go find another manufacturer for just the electronic components. But of course, the manufacturer who's doing electronic components doesn't want to do any water testing because that's not what they do. So we had to put together this um, kind of group of uh, not only components, but manufacturers over there, get them to work together, which wasn't nearly as hard as I thought um, it would be. But it's been a learning, a learning process for sure, because the assembly process for electronic components assembly, the little control box that we have, you know, it needs to be tested for watertight seals and function, but we had to come up with a way to do that with air testing at the electronics facility and then come up with a way for our faucet manufacturer to then combine do a final testing of the product to make sure everything worked, still watertight and all that, but do it in a way that the water wouldn't, you know, interfere with some of the electronic components. So we ended up doing some iterations, um, kind of as we were manufacturing with the electronic components, in particular, adding some actual hardware to the control box itself to allow the, the manufacturers to speed up the process, make it more reliable. And it was great. I mean, the factories, they have everything you could possibly need to help prototype and do stuff, uh, add components, test components. So it was really cool to see. And, and we really enjoyed it a lot and still do it working with those folks. That's great. I mean, I love that story because so many people right now hear of, you know, these DDC companies, just rocket ships, just easy. It looks easy from the outside. And I like actually hearing, you know, a real life story of like, nope, took a few years, took a lot of testing, had a little hesitancy. And yeah, I mean, that highlights what building a company, you know, actually looks like most of the time. Yeah. It's uh, it's the most enjoyable thing I've ever done, but it's also the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, hands yep. down. I feel that. I feel that. Did you ever, you know, outside of like porter bodies, how they have those little pump sinks? Did you ever Mm -hmm. like get one of those and be like, how do you work to figure out maybe like how they function and then kind of like have any good takeaways from that one? Absolutely. We bought and tested all kinds of stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. You name it, valves. My garage was just an absolute disaster. We had pumps like that for your, uh, that, you know, physically applying pressure to the pump to get the water to flow. There was pneumatic valves that we were testing, um, hydraulic valves that we were testing. And it was really interesting. They all kind of pointed us to one direction. And we ended up going with an electronic system instead of something that was more uh, mechanical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue that we found out with doing something more mechanical, like those pump valves or uh, other kind of industrial metal valves that you can buy for like kitchens and so forth, they're very simple themselves. They don't require any electricity. But the issue we found with those is if you're going to make a product that is going to be successful in a residential setting for people in homes who have expensive cabinetry, expensive flooring, those other methods 
were very invasive and destructive to the cabinetry themselves if you tried to install them um, even in new construction, but specifically in existing cabinetry. You had to cut holes, you had to plumb uh, water lines underneath the cabinets. You know, mm -hmm. these could happen. You'd never see them until it was a disaster. So we wanted to keep all of that, all of that water connections and areas that could leak. We kept them up out of the cabinet or out, up out from underneath the cabinet, inside the cabinet where you can see everything, know where everything's connected. And um, we just run a very simple communication line down to the foot pedal itself. So not only do you not have to cut holes in your cabinets, but the foot pedal itself just installs with a couple of screws. You retain all of the existing cabinet space that you have because Lord knows we put a ton of stuff under our kitchen cabinets, whether we use it all yep. or not. It's I don't still even want to look what's under there right now. Yeah. It's been there for a long time. It's not coming out. So yeah. So in that whole process of, of really kind of coming up with a way in which we wanted to use what technology we wanted to use to make it all function correct, we we wanted to go with something electronic for those specific reasons. It just it allows you to um, install the whole system in a much easier way as well. And we set out initially to design the product so that a, a kind of a DIY enthusiast, your average weekend warrior could go and, and install it in their home, capable of going to Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that to buy a faucet and install it. This is going to be absolutely no brainer for them. But of course, you know, not everybody is going to do that. Um, I know plenty of people who just yeah. don't want to install a faucet. So it's all of the connections and fittings that we use to connect to your existing water lines and, and faucets and so forth in the house. They're all standardized. So it's, mm -hmm. it's all very easy for a plumber to come in and kind of hook it up and know what to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the route I would choose. Unless there was a very easy YouTube video. Maybe I would attempt it. I yeah. Depends, depends how I'm feeling <laughs> that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where do you all want to be in the next year? What are you most excited about? I'm actually most excited about getting some of our new designs in production. We've had a lot of requests for additional finishes and additional designs and even expanding some of our additional hardware that comes with the faucet systems themselves because people have been asking for it. And it's, it's been frustrating for us because we're like, we know, we know, we want it too. But as you grow a business, you got to kind of do it incrementally, make sure you're at the right point um, and then pull the trigger on it. So I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see you know, this next wave of, uh, of products come to the market and, and see how they do. It's going to be, it's going to be great. That's great. All right. Well, let's move over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask you a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What one thing do you think will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? I think the biggest thing that will have an impact on e-commerce in the next year is going to be finding ways in which we can reduce shipping costs. Um, that's been a big barrier for us. It's expensive for everybody. So uh, I'm looking forward to kind of innovations that, that, that will be coming to lowering and speeding up product delivery. Yeah, that's great. I've heard that a lot throughout all the interviews. So a lot of people, they're all thinking <laughs> Some, on Somebody's got to work. Yeah, who's working on that? I know, come on, come on the show. Tell us about it. What is the best advice you've gotten since starting this business? It's to go with your gut. Collectively between Lauren, myself and John, you know, we've hired a few consultants here and there to help us. And they've been very good at helping guide us in certain areas where we're just deficient in that training or information. But it's really interesting when you look at it, Dan, you're like, yeah, I, that's just, that's what we wanted to do in the first place. That's a good one. What's up next on your reading list or podcast? Oof. 
Um, up next on my reading list is um, a book called Conscious Medicine. And it, mm. uh, it's about microdosing um, mm-hmm. different types of uh, like psilocybin and a few other things to mm-hmm. uh, how to incorporate that and, and kind of use it. I've experimented with that stuff uh, over the last year, actually, and had great experiences. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. And then the last one, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you in your whole life? Ooh, oh man. Um, probably marry me. I would have to thank my wife for that one. Um, that is by Go far and away Lauren. the nice thing. Yeah. I owe a lot to her. She's, she is the, uh, the woman behind the man for sure. We work really well together and I'm blessed to have her as uh, as a partner in business and in life. So, um, nice. I got a lot, lots of thanks for her. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, Matt. Well, this has been such an amazing interview. Thank you for joining on the top of a mountain. It's been fun just watching what's behind you. Um, where can people find out more about you and Principal Faucets? Yeah, you can check us out at principalfaucets.com. Got a bunch of good information there. Uh, you can explore around and as well as uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's just at Principal Faucets. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.